New Horizon has been serving the church in Northern Ireland since 1989, and we're delighted to bring you this talk today. We trust you will be blessed through this ministry. Chris, Chris and I have the joy of working with each other in CUI, and Chris actually works in uh, Dublin uh, as a staff worker there, working with, what CEs do you work with? Um, University College Dublin, Dublin City University, a little bit with the Royal College of Surgeons as well. And why are you so passionate about students? Um, I, I think for, for students, um, our current students are the future leaders and trendsetters and um, shapers um, going out into, into the real world. And I think being a student is a very formative time. And if we can help to shape um, lifelong disciples following Jesus beyond university into workplaces and starting families and running businesses and whatever it might be, um, that's a really good thing. Cool. I wasn't sure where trendsetters was going to go. I wasn't as fashion advice today. <laughs> but, um, and Chris, you're a man of many hobbies. How do you, how do you enjoy spending your free time? Yeah, um, I enjoy music, um, play a bit of rugby, um, hoping to do a bit of surfing this afternoon, um, enjoy hiking. Um, and my, I think my biggest hobby is just spending time working on and adventuring in my Land Rover Defender. Very good. And if you want to follow that, Roaming with Rona on Instagram, uh, you might might plug that while he's up here. But I'm just going to pray for Chris now uh, before he starts. Father, I thank you um, for all of us in this room. And we pray that as Chris speaks with us, that you will speak through him. And we pray that as we hear from your word, we'll be challenged as to who we are in you and what that looks like for us to live with our identity in you, Jesus, at university. Uh, We ask us all in your name now. Amen. Lovely. Thanks, Chris. Um, So good morning. Um, Welcome to what is going to be a a two-part seminar series um, from freshers to finals. So whether you are a student or you work with students or um, you are related to students and you just want to better help um, individuals who um, are at that point in their life when they're thinking about, you know, who am I and what am I meant to do? Hopefully, that's what those two, the, the next two seminars um, are going to help us think about. Thinking about um, identity today and thinking about mission tomorrow, which Elaine will be taking. Um, so I'm, I'm Chris. I'm 28. I'm married to Leah. Um, I'm originally from Portadown, but I've been based in Dublin, Ireland for the last seven years or so. Um, I work with Christian Unions Ireland, as has been up on the screen. And some of my interests, as I've shared with you, is hiking and music and surfing and rugby and camping and my Land Rover. And that's a glimpse of me. That's a little bit of who I am, my interests, what I do, etc., etc. Who we are matters, right? I think we all kind of have a sense of who we are matters. And, and if you've read the title and the description of this seminar, then hopefully it won't be a shock to you that we're thinking about what defines who we are, what defines our identity. And our identity, it's not a, it's not a simple concept, is it? It's, it's a lot more nuanced than maybe we give it credit and the things that feed into our sense of identity. I wonder if you would mind, kind of as you're throughout the room, um, with the people around you, just for a couple of minutes, in your context, so kind of where you are, whether that be in school or in the workplace or wherever it is, kind of what, what shapes the identity of, of the people around you? And what are some of the buzzwords that you hear and you think about when people refer to their identity? What are maybe some of the unspoken identity markers in, in your context? If you want to just take kind of 90 seconds with the person beside you and kind of think about that.
Alrighty, well, we'll pull that back in. Um, I wonder if just maybe for the next 60 seconds or so, if even that long, maybe ju just shout out some of those things that are kind of the identity markers for the people around you. Your university course, yeah. Your home church, yeah. Work, yeah. How much you can lift in the gym, okay. It's definitely not something I think about. <laughs> Any other things? Your friends, yeah, the people that surround you surround yourself with, yeah. Social media, yeah, perfect. Taste of music, yeah, what concerts you go to, what you listen to in the car. Th those are some great examples, and, and I guess it just goes to show that our identity isn't a straightforward concept. There's lots of things that tend to feed in and fight for our sense of identity and value and worth and who we think we are. So I, I have a passport and a driving license, um, and I can use those as forms of identification. They contain the facts. They contain what I look like. They contain my name, my age, my address, my nationality. Um, they, they are proof of my identity, but it doesn't really give you a full picture of who I am. My passport doesn't tell you that I'm married to Leah. It doesn't expose that I'm a little bit of a coffee snob. Um, it doesn't reveal that I can play guitar or that I enjoy playing rugby. My driving license will show you that I can drive, but it doesn't tell you that I prefer to drive my Land Rover rather than my Toyota. But you, nobody drives a Land Rover every day if you've got a Defender. Um, we, we know that our identity, it's not just some, some legal documentation that helps us to function in society, right? Because even within society, we know and we feel that our identity is wrapped up in all sorts of things. The family we come from or the friend group that we're amidst, our sporting achievements, charitable work, our, our personality, sexual orientation, the course you're studying, the profession that you go on to choose, how much money you make, how smart you are, how good looking you are, how powerful or influential you are. This is how the world views us. This is how the world defines how much we matter and who we are. You know, I, I didn't realize on until a few years ago, but when I was kind of 16 to 18, those kind of latter years of school, my, my identity was primarily wrapped up in, in being somebody who had a girlfriend. Um, I, I didn't like to go um, any length of time being single. And, and I could be charming and I could get a girl's attention and I would give her my attention and, and I could flirt and laugh and I played the guitar and could sing a song, so I would do that. And my identity was wrapped up in being this person that wasn't alone and could get the girl that he wanted. But then something something changed and it, it stopped being me who broke up with someone because I had my eyes on something that I thought was better and I was the one getting dumped. And, and the construction of my identity that I'd built around being this person was falling away. I mean, it might be that for you. It might be something completely different. Money, influence, sex, acceptance, intellect, Perhaps it is your appearance, your beauty, your ability to make people laugh. The, these are things that we can so easily find our identity in. But whatever it is, the purpose of, of this seminar is to think about something very specific when it comes to our identity. And we'll, we'll jump to it right at the start. I want you to leave this seminar with a greater confidence that, that finding, in finding your identity as a child of God, 
Kind of some of that stuff that we were thinking about in the morning Bible reading. In Christ, to Christ, through Christ. And, and yeah, just not somebody that is associated with Jesus, but is permanently and joyfully united with Christ. Whether you're the smartest person in this tent, or the most influential among your peers, the best looking in your friend group, the funniest person in your year, the strongest guy in the gym, whatever identity markers exist in your life, Jesus is better. You know, I, I've been guilty of um, thinking that it's just my non-Christian friends who struggle with identity. You know, if only they knew Jesus, then they'd, they'd be fine. They'd have it all sussed. And I think that's because if, if we asked, took a straw poll in the room, and, and we asked a room full of Christians where they find their identity. Intellectually, we could ascend to, yeah, it's in Jesus, in following Jesus. But, but in practice, from my experience of watching others and looking at myself, I'm very quick to forget Jesus. And, and I take the tangible things, the things that I can see and experience firsthand and hold on to and grab, and they're the things that become my identity markers, the things that, yeah, are, are tangible to me. And it's important for us to realize that, that we are prone to forget Jesus and we look to other things when we're asked the question, who am I? And I think it's really important to realize this because all those things will eventually let you down. What happens when those sorts of things fail you? You're the funny one. But then Michael McIntyre comes into the room. All of a sudden, you're probably not the funniest in the room anymore. You're the smartest person in your course, but then an international student comes for a semester abroad and they are a genius. You're the sports person, captain of your team, you perform well in maybe your individual sport, but then your biggest competitor comes and starts to beat you week after week, competition after competition. You've got that boyfriend or that girlfriend, that fiance, that, that special person that you've always wanted and then they let you down. How do you feel? My point is that finding value, finding our identity in things like these, as good as they may be, is unstable. Yeah, you may be good looking, but beauty fades. You may be the smartest person in the room, but intellect can dwindle. You know, I, I've no doubt that, that many of you are much smarter than me. Uh, my wife is a lot smarter than me. She has a doctorate in some biomedical thing that I know nothing about. And I just about scraped a 2-2 at Bible college. Um, but, but I think I'm fairly sharp on a few things. Um, but even the greatest minds can falter. You know, I'm sure many of us will have experienced seeing a parent or a grandparent or a family friend experience the effects of Alzheimer's or dementia, and, and we know that our minds can fail us. Maybe your bank, your bank account is looking good. Um, not many students, um, maybe in that situation, but, but maybe once you get that first class honors, you get that graduate role, that first good paying job, the promotion, and then you've got a little bit more disposable income. You're comfortable, you're secure, and then that's what becomes the thing that you identify with. You know, I'm the person that can look after myself. I'm the person that can look after others. I'm comfortable. I'm dependable. But what happens if that money's lost? What happens if you lose your job? 
what happens if you're in an accident and you don't have income protection? What happens when you realize that that money can disappear? What happens when you keep getting overlooked for promotion because you're the Christian or someone better than you at your job comes along and you get overlooked? Then you face an identity crisis because the very thing that you cared about has been taken from you. And you can apply that to, to any facet of life. It doesn't take long to break it down and see that this isn't as stable as I thought it was. Can, can you see that? Can you see how unstable it is? So how do we transition out of that situation into a more stable identity than one that won't come crashing down? Well, I, I think you've, you've listened to my words um, long enough um, at this stage. And I'm not producing groundbreaking content here. Um, this seminar isn't based on anything I believe about kind of our identity and our culture. It's not just my opinion, but, but rather what the Bible has to say about who we are. Um, and, and there's a variety of places that we could go. We could go to Genesis 1. We could look at the fact that we're made in the image of God, that our worth and our value comes from the very fact that we reflect the image of the Creator. You may be well aware that even though we're created in that image of God, that image has been tainted and broken and distorted. It's shattered by sin, sin, sin within us, sin around us, sin against us. And, and none of us reflect God the way that we're supposed to. So Jesus came. Jesus came to restore that image in us. I think of Hebrews 2.17 and says that, that Jesus had to be made fully human in every way that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus became human to reestablish our true humanity, our true identity, one of dependence on our creator and, and not on ourselves, this, this life-giving, not destructive, one that loves our neighbor as ourselves. So I'm, I'm making a little bit of an assumption here. I'm making an assumption that as you're at New Horizon this week and, as this, and at this seminar, you've maybe grasped some of those initial principles that were made in God's image, but that's distorted and Jesus came to restore it. But maybe this is all new to you. And if it is all new to you, there's a Q&R session at the end. But with those, sin those principles assumed, because the Bible says it, and we trust the Bible holds authority, I thought it would be helpful for us to read something that is written to people like us, those who live as followers of Jesus and are waiting for him to come again and make all things new. Listen to these words from Philippians chapter 3. They're, they're up on the screen. Uh, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss because of the surpassing, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I asked, how do we transition out of a situation that is unstable to where we find a stable identity that won't come crashing down? And I think this section of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi helps us answer that question. I'll keep the words on the screen, but do you see how Paul starts this section by saying, finally? Um, Normally, if somebody says, finally, you think they're going to wrap it up, but Paul's got a lot of this letter left to go. Um, And I think what Paul's doing here is he's shifting gears, and and he wants the Christians in Philippi, and by extension, he wants us here in this overflow tent too this morning to think about, in all circumstances, find your joy in Jesus. Paul knows that happiness, that kind of the ecstatic smile on your face, that depend, that's dependent on, on good things happening. But even when things go wrong, we can still experience joy. We might be face, facing the loss of, of something or someone that we hold very dear, but we can still have joy. We may not be happy in a moment, but we can be joyful that we know the thing that we just lost is not something that defines us. It is not something that determines our value and our worth. And that joy that I'm talking about is fixed and rooted in Jesus because he is the source of true joy and he sets the course for all joy. So that, that's how Paul is setting the scene. Um, and he says, you know, it's no trouble for me to write these things to you. This is, this is important and I'll write it again and again and again if I have to. And Paul goes on immediately to warn them of those who are going to try to force the believers in Philippi to put their confidence, their identity, in something other than Jesus. He says, watch out for the dogs, the evildoers, the mutilators of the flesh. They're not three different groups of people. He's talking about one group of people. He's talking about the Pharisees. Paul is saying that that these men are dogs. Not, Not the pedigree Labrador, that's the family pet, but the street dog one that's angry and vicious and snaps at your heels. He says, these men may look impressive, but in their hearts they hate. Impressive deeds and evil hearts. And, and he's try- they're trying to get these new believers to submit to, in this context, circumcision, and they're mutilating the flesh. You see, the Pharisees were finding their identity in what they could do. They were putting confidence in the flesh, quite literally. But, but Paul flips this on its head. If you look at verse 3, well, they're not numbered on the screen. But on the screen, there, um, he says, We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. If you're sitting in this tent, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've had a spiritual circumcision. You're you're separated. You're cut off from the rest of the world. And and you no longer look for for your right standing before God and what you can accomplish and what you can achieve. But you look for your right standing in Jesus, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection from the grave, in his ascension and ascending of the Spirit. That's where we find our identity. And I mean, Paul had reason to boast in what he had done. You know, he says, if anyone had boast, any reason to boast, I have more. He's got a, a CV of, of Judaism that was really impressive. Highlighted on the screen, circumcised on the eighth day from the people of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In terms of the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, 
persecutor of that pesky Christian church. As for zeal under the law, blameless. Paul was a, a pedigree Jew. He was a high achiever. And, and the list is significant. From the tribe of Benjamin, the only tribe that was born in the promised land. The tribe given the greatest respect. A Pharisee, devout, pledging allegiance to God, similar to what we might recognize as a, as a monk in a monastery, pledging, pledging your allegiance to God. He did everything that the Jewish law said that he should do. Societally, he was top dog. Nobody could fault Paul. That was his identity. But then he met Jesus. One of the stories this morning that we heard about was um, a guy that met Jesus. And when you meet Jesus, it changes everything. And Paul was previously called Saul. And in the book of Acts chapter 9, we read of Saul going to Damascus. And you may all well know the story. But he's going to capture and probably kill the Christians. And on that journey, Jesus revealed himself to Saul. And he realized that, that this Jesus that he was actively going against was the real deal. And it changed his life. And he started going into the synagogues and the places where he used to hold such high esteem. And he proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, who came to seek and to save the lost. And when we encounter Jesus in all his splendor and all his majesty, as God has revealed, us to, has revealed him to us in his word, it changes us. It changes what we value. It changes what we place our hope in, what we find our identity in. For Paul, in verse 7, he says, For whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Your identity in Jesus is not achieved by merit, but is received by grace. There's nothing that you can do in this world to earn a right standing before God. Yeah, maybe many of you know this. You've believed it. You've trusted it. But how do we live it out? You know, there's nothing that we can work towards in this life that cannot be taken from us. We thought about the supremacy of Jesus this morning. Only Jesus surpasses everything. Why would you chase an identity in something that can be taken away from you when Jesus offers you a meaning that can never be shaken? You know, Paul said that everything he had lost, he just counted it as rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. He lost his reputation. He lost a religion that he held dearly, but he gained way more than he lost. He's not a loser, not in the short term or the long term. He gained more in letting go of the things that he felt he had control over than he could ever have gained by trying to climb his way into heaven, by his good deeds, by things that people could see and validate. And the good news of all of this is that having this view of our identity, having our identity in Jesus is so liberating because nothing else in our lives is meant to bear the weight of expectation that is only deserving of God. Your friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, 
fiancés, husbands, wives, your families, children, parents, nobody that we have a relationship with has been designed and created by God to bear the weight of our expectations, nor are they able to bear the weight of our expectations. Our bodies won't stay youthful long enough to meet our expectations. So when you lose those things, if that's what you're looking for, for your identity, then you'll be devastated. But if we place our identity in Jesus, then you can enjoy your studies. It's just a course. You can enjoy your jobs. It's something you're good at. You can enjoy your friends, your relationships, these people around you. You can enjoy and steward well the money that you make. You can use your bodies well in in playing sport and glorifying God. And even as those things change, they do not define you. Maybe they change with the season of life. Maybe they're taken away altogether. But, but if we have Jesus, we have everything we need. You know, we can find our hope, our joy, our identity in him and, and long to know him more. Just like Paul longs for at the end of this section here. So what does that mean for you if you're a Christian? I think it means keep going. Keep rejoicing in Jesus Keep reminding yourself daily that you are found in him. Uh, I was really impacted by what Ben said last night about that interaction he had with somebody who said, you know, I just, I want to know more of the Spirit. Help me to hear from the Spirit. And what was Ben's response? He says, well, you need to read the Bible a bit more. Just keep reading it. Keep reading it. Not as something that that we have to do to shape who we are, but something that we enjoy to do knowing that we have been radically changed and transformed, and that's how we know more about Jesus. That's how we hear our creator God speaking to us. If you happen to be here because a friend invited you, but you haven't made a decision to trust Jesus, if you're just beginning to look at Christianity and you've kind of stumbled upon New Horizon this week somehow, maybe, maybe you can see the liberty that this brings. How amazing would it be if you could leave the pressure of your work's demands and your family's demands and your friend's demands and the demands of what do I do with my money and my resources? What do I do with being funny? What do I do with the skills that I have? And you can just rest them in the sufficiency of Jesus. I'd love for you to chat to your friend about that. Maybe later over a coffee, come and chat to me afterwards if that's you. As we, as we kind of wrap this up um, and leave time for questions at the end, I, I again just want you to, to maybe chat with the people around you. Just two questions um, on the screen. If Jesus defines my identity, uh, what implications does that have on my life as I live at university? Um, you can feel free to apply that question to the context that you find yourself in specifically. Um, and, then, and then number two, what have you been placing your identity in that can be taken away from you? Um, how does Jesus free you to enjoy that rather than, yeah, working for it? Um, so I'll, I'll just give you some space. You can chat to the people around you. You can maybe reflect on that second one yourself. Um, and, then, and then I'll tie it back together and, and leave some space for questions.
Thanks. I'll draw you back um, this direction, if that's okay. Um, ho hopefully you find those two questions helpful um, in kind of fleshing out what your context looks like and what, what finding your identity in Jesus looks like and shapes and how it makes that better than the alternatives. Um, I think for me, I'll, I'll share a little bit on, on question two. I think where I really struggle is I just always want to be liked. Um, I want people to like me. I, even right now, I want all of you to like me. I want you know you to write nice things on the feedback form. Um, and, and if that's where I find my identity, how crushing is it when people fall out with you or there's relational strife or you just don't get on with someone? So for me, finding my identity in Jesus liberates me to love people, to enjoy their company, to not take too seriously what people think about me, but then also to view the negative things that may become my way as, yeah, you know what, that doesn't crush me, but they might be right about something. I need to turn to Jesus. I need to ask him to, to work in my heart um, and change me. Um, I, I, I just wanted to leave some time. If anybody had um, any questions, you can ask them in this open format or you know, I'll, I'll be about right up until like quarter to, quarter to one or whatever. Um, if you want to ask me, just off to the side um, as well. But if anybody has any questions, I'll maybe get Chris. You can, if anybody does have questions, you can give them this microphone. I'd just like to ask, um, as a father of a child who is going into lower sixth and thinking of them in years to come, my um, son as well, for those who are going into um, university or who are currently in university, how do you feel, uh, as, as we were just chatting there, we live in a post-Christian uh, society. As a Christian, do you feel more alone in university? When we were chatting there, you know, we were uh, at Queen's and uh, at university 30 years ago, and there was more of a, you know, a group, maybe. Uh, maybe that's wrong saying that, but just how do people, how do you, um, young ones feel now as regards in university um, and being a Christian? Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think one of the things that I find helpful in thinking is that, you know, never, never are we promised by Jesus that everybody else around you is going to think the same way that you do. Um, and I think we have been immensely privileged in, have, in living in a society where for so many years it was a Christian society. Um, and, and I think coming out of that and being in a, in a post-Christian world now, um, I, think, I think we're seeing more what it meant and looked like to be a follower of Jesus um, in, in those early, early church days. Um, and I think we're going to see the swing of facing yeah, more ridicule and maybe persecution and pressure. Um, I, on the lonely stuff, I think it's it's a little bit different in, in my context, I think, um, in in Dublin or maybe for Eileen in Galway or a staff worker in Corks, rubbing shoulders with students where, you know, if, if you don't have non-Christian friends, you, you might not have any friends. Um, you know, th there's contexts where Christian young people and students 
just don't maybe even know another another Christian within a radius of them or at their at their university. Um, I think yeah, one of the joys of of Northern Ireland is that there's a there's a, a vibrant and a rich Christian community um, across across the nation, um, and. I think I think for students that get plugged into a local church, whether they're staying at their, their the church they grew up in as they go to university, or they're finding a church in the city that they go to and getting plugged into into a CU and a small group, uh, I think those things are really helpful. Um, I think we I think all of us as we look to follow Jesus will continue to maybe feel a little bit more isolated and um, alone in comparison to our peers. Um, but yeah, I think my, my biggest encouragements would be to continue to be plugged into a local church that can encourage you and equip you and send you into, you know, your university space or your workspace, you know, on mission for Jesus um, and to have people around you. Um, I think Ben, one of Ben's, uh, Ben's seminar the other day, one of the one of the things that he was talking about was just gathering the saints around you. Um, and I, I think that's really helpful for, for any student um, going, going to university. Yeah. Am I allowed to add to that? You is that, may. Okay? Is that yes, a sorry? Yes. Sorry. Um, I think there's um, each app, like, I think David Bruce, if any of you were at the PCI assembly, um, his like a final address was on the one Peter stuff on being um, an exile in a land that's not your own, and so that's becoming more of a thing. But I think even one of the biggest issues at university at the minute is the like loneliness epidemic, as such as they talk about. Um, and even in the midst of being among other Christians, so you take like, the likes of Queens, so I would work quite closely with Queens, you see there will be a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians there, but actually the depth of relationships are not what they used to be. Um, generally and so i've been doing a little bit of work for different youth organizations as they look to send people to university and it was it's kind of pushing on what chris was saying and you know it's great to make sure they're in the church but it's also encouraging real relationships because you even look at the way social media will have changed the relationships from you know i i wouldn't have said i'm particularly old i'm 29 i've got a lot of abuse for that recently but you know i'm far enough even outside of what it was to grow up with an iphone as much as it is now and so we've are generally our relationships are weaker and so one of the the big points that we're sort of pressing in and pressing into whether it's youth groups or those coming into university is ensuring the depth of relationship so whether you're you know not just being in a small group not just being in a christian community but ensuring there's people that you're able to be honest with and around or actually seeing in person as well because a lot of the contact that even christians are having with one another in university can just be via phones and things and actually that's as much of an issue in terms of the true honest depth of relationship as well does that make sense? Sorry. Does anyone have any other questions? Sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to. Great addition. Uh, sorry. Wrap it up. Great. Super. Um, thank you, Chris. Um, I can give him a round of applause anyway. There we go. Um, Chris, Chris will be hanging around. There's a couple of other people here. Um, Eileen, um, who's given our seminar tomorrow as well. She's here with her lovely COI jumper on. I forgot mine, sorry. Um, if you have any feedback or anything um, else, there's the feedback forms. There's an online form um, as well. But um, it's been lovely to have you guys here. And tomorrow we're looking at mission, aren't we? Yeah, super. Um, but if you do want to stay and have a chat with anyone, um, there'll be a few of us hanging around here after as well. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this talk. If you would like to know more about New Horizon, please visit our website at newhorizon.org.uk.